0: Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Daniel. I'm the discipleship minister here at LeClaire, and this I, is...
1: I'm Kelsey. Yes, <laughs> I'm the, yes. the kids minister. Yes.
0: Uh, and we're really glad to be with you this morning and sharing with you. And, and I just love uh, the first Sunday in December as we kind of look ahead to celebrating the, the Christmas season and, and just remembering that we have a God who loved us enough to send His Son into this world so that we would know Him. And uh, that's just such an incredible truth. And to kind of piggyback off of a little bit what Andy shared last week, I think that that is a truth worth celebrating all year round, okay? So, you know, I think it's perfectly acceptable to not limit that expression of celebration to just the Sunday after Thanksgiving. But if you want to start a little sooner like September, it's totally fine to decorate listen to Christmas music, all, all that good stuff.
1: And we do. Daniel practices what he preaches
0: here. So. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so, uh, but it really is It is something we're we're celebrating. Um, we're going to begin talking through a series this week called Among Us. And if you remember, we had just recently gone through the book of John. And if you remember at the very beginning, it starts with this beautiful prologue that talks about how God sent his son into this world, a world where people had, had so departed... From God's plan for humanity, they, they didn't even recognize him. But God sent his son so that we would know him. And in fact, later in John, when Jesus is praying in, in chapter 17, he even says that eternal life is to know God and to know the son. And what a gift it is for us that, that we have that ability to look back and to see Jesus. And because of that, to know God And there's a lot of of implications about Christ coming to this world to live with us and and what that means for our life. And so we want to spend these next few weeks just kind of unpacking some of those. And we're going to be looking at this time where God came into the world. And and there's a lot of circumstances, a lot of situations, a lot of characters that God uses to help forecast to the world what it meant for Jesus to come and what it meant for, for our lives. So today we want to talk about one of those stories. It's going to be in, in Luke chapter one. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and, and get ready and uh, find yourself there. We're going to be looking at a story uh, about a couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth.
1: And, and Zechariah and Elizabeth, they might be minor characters in the story of Christmas, uh, but it's because they faced this impossible struggle in their lives that they're that they're in this story. And and we today just kind of want to walk you through um, a time in our own life where something. Um, seemed impossible to us. Um, And as we dig into God's Word and examine this circumstance in our life, it's our hope that um, we can offer you encouragement and truth about how God allows us to have joy even when things in our life seem impossible.
0: Yeah, and joy is, is a word that we talk a lot about this time of year, but it's different from happiness. Joy, uh, happiness is is really dependent on your circumstance. When things turn out in a favorable way or a way that you perceive to be, you know, your way, that makes us happy. But joy is something that despite our circumstances that we can have. Uh, I've heard it defined like this as a delight in life that runs deeper than pain or pleasure. It's a quality of a life rooted in Christ. It's a fruit of the Spirit And it's a quality we can possess even when there are times in our life that feel impossible.
1: And maybe you're there today. Maybe that's you. That even though it's this holiday season and people are, you know, expected to be excited and full of joy, you maybe have some obstacles in your life that you cannot see a good into or a way out of. Maybe this is your first Christmas without a loved one that you lost this year. Maybe things in your job are kind of a little bit up in the air, or, or maybe you're stuck in a position that brings you constant frustration, but you can't quit because it's your job, and, and the whole situation just seems impossible. Maybe you're struggling financially, and you just c- cannot see a possible way where you're ever going to get ahead. Maybe you're lonely and feeling like who you are is not enough right now. Maybe there are people in your life that you wish that you could spend this season with, but because of past hurts, you remain separated. Maybe your family doesn't reflect like the Norman Rockwell picture of Christmas that you think it should or that you have in your head. And maybe it's not anything negative. Maybe um, this year you ventured into a new endeavor and, and there are just days where you kind of second guess your, yourself or your abilities. And there are times when your life just feels kind of impossible. And if that's you, the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth speaks to that tension. And we, we can remember that God is and always has been among us, even when we face seemingly impossible situations. Because Jesus came to dwell among us, we can experience joy when things in our life seem impossible. No matter how impossible our circumstances may become, we can have a delight in life that runs deeper than all these emotions or anxieties that these difficult uh, situations or experiences can bring about in us.
0: Yeah. So like I said, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. So if you're there, go ahead and join me beginning in verse 5. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So at the beginning of Luke's gospel, we're introduced to this couple. Now, it's not the couple you would imagine. It's not Mary and Joseph, which you think would be what we talk about first in the uh, birth narrative of Jesus. But we actually see one of Mary's relatives, this uh, woman named Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah. And before we actually get to the birth of Jesus, we're beginning to see God use other people and use other circumstances to help prepare for the long-awaited birth of his son. And through this account and other various narratives surrounding the birth of Jesus, we get to see these little glimpses of what the birth of Jesus will mean for a dark and broken world, and for people that struggle in various ways. It's almost as if God is orchestrating these other side stories to help draw our attention to the immense joy that Jesus is going to bring to this world. And here we see Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now we learn that they are righteous. They are people who follow God blamelessly. They keep his commands And not only that, Zechariah is a priest. He's known for doing the work in the temple and helping facilitate the worship between uh, the people and God. And not only that, but Elizabeth, his wife, is also part of that priestly line. So this is a good, honorable, decent couple. But they have one really big problem. They are not able to have any kids. And now they are too old.
1: So everybody knows that, you know, just as soon as you get back from your honeymoon, people start asking when you're going to start having babies. And in Bible times, this wasn't even really a question. It was just assumed that you'd start having kids um, once you got married. Children were a blessing. Having children meant that you had an heir, you had someone to take care of you when you got old, or, or if your husband passed away, having a child meant that you were blessed by God. And I tried to imagine what Elizabeth would have felt like back in those days, back even before the New Testament times. The value of women, it often rested on whether or not you could produce a child. And I'm sure that weighed heavily on her, on her mind month after month and year after year as those days went by with no baby to rock to sleep, no toddler to chase around, no child to tuck into bed. If having children was considered a blessing from God, then the opposite was also believed to be true, that if you were unable to have a child, you were, you were kind of cursed by God. We see lots of examples in scripture of barren women who, who were often looked down upon or scorned because they couldn't have kids. And, and I wonder if Elizabeth ever came to this point in her life where she just kind of decided to try to just accept what, what life was. Maybe she thought, but I don't need kids right now anyway. You know, Zachariah, he's really busy at the temple. I've, I've got enough things to occupy me. But maybe she had sisters who had babies, or, or maybe her neighbors asked her to babysit sometimes, or, or maybe she brought some, some food to a new mom, and, and each time she held the baby of a friend or a sister or a family member, she felt that ache of a dream unfulfilled, of a hope deferred. Um, a few years after Daniel and I got married, we decided that we were ready to take that plunge um, and start thinking about adding a baby to our family. And and you know, when you're making that decision, there's those initial nerves that take place along the way. You know, those first few times you take a pregnancy test, you're kind of worried that actually it might be positive, you know. Um, a baby changes everything after all, and, and can we ever really be ready for that, we wonder. But then um, months continued to pass, and and we continued to find that what we were nervous about to begin with, it just wasn't happening according to our plan. And, and then we got nervous about other things, like what, what if there's something wrong? What if this dream that I've dreamed since I was a child, of, of being a mom, of, of having a baby, what if that isn't meant to be for me? Um, so during that time, Daniel and I were, we were, you know, hoping to have a baby, but we were blessed to be growing alongside couples in our life group and, and in our circles of friends who, who they got pregnant and they had kids and... And we shared in the excitement of new life for them all the while we were just waiting for our own turn, our own blessing. And I I remember saying, well, I'm sure in God's time it's going to happen. You know, we probably just need to save some more money anyway. Um, It'll happen when it happens. But each month that passed, we felt a little bit worse, a little more worried as the disappointments begin to mount. And and we often felt this internal struggle of, of how do you live your life? When the life you envisioned, it's just not happening. How do you move forward? How do you you find joy in those times? How do you find a delight in life that surpasses the pain and the disappointment that you feel? For Elizabeth, she must have continued on with life, as you kind of have to do. She was a good and faithful wife to the husband that she loved. And after years and years passed... With no blessing of a baby being born to them, Elizabeth, she must have accepted the reality that a baby was, was going to be out of the question for her. It was physically impossible. And so she might have packed up that dream of motherhood, the hope of seeing Zechariah be a dad, deep down into her heart and moved on with her days.
0: And then one day, everything changed. Now, Zechariah, as we said, was a priest. And priests were responsible for carrying out these duties at the temple. And, and there were a lot of priests. In fact, there were 24 different divisions, and each division had about 900 priests. And about once every six months, this, you know, your particular division would be called up to do work in the temple for that week. And, and then you would be chosen by lots to decide what your task would be, whether it would be cleaning up the altar, cleaning up the sacrifices, or you know, tidying some other area of the temple, or whatever it may be. But there was one task that that most priests only got to do if ever about once in their lifetime. And this was the task of going into the most or going into the holy place to light the altar of incense. Now, this is a very reverent, this is a very holy job. And, and it just so happened that on this particular day, Zechariah is called up to do this task to light this altar of incense that kind of represented the prayers of the people going up to God. And, and during the time, people would gather around the temple and they would pray. Uh, and this would sort of symbolize what was, what was going on. And so this is where we find Zechariah in this moment. Let's jump in verse 11. It says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now, can you imagine what Zechariah would have felt hearing this news? Not only was God going to do something impossible in his life and in the life of of him and his wife, but God was going to use this son to help prepare people for the Lord. Now, as I was reading through this in this season, I was just encouraged to think about this son, this John the Baptist. And I thought, man, what a great prayer it would be for for us to pray that the Lord would raise up more John the Baptist in our world today. And and I love that God recognized him and saw him as great in his sight and as someone who was able to prepare people, uh, to prepare them for Jesus to come. And he did that by by preaching repentance, by preaching about uh, good and evil and and being bold and and, and doing so like the, the spirit of Elijah, someone who was not afraid to confront the, the, the false lies of, of his day. And I can imagine that Zechariah was, was thrilled to consider having uh, a son like him and to think about this thought, and, and he was going to be a great joy to him. Now we'll see how Zechariah responds in just a moment, but I want to stop here and point something out. We all face moments that seem impossible at various times in our life, but we can find joy in these times because God can use impossible moments To show His power. God can use impossible moments, these difficult seasons, to show His power. Maybe when your marriage is on the thinnest ice that it has ever been on. Or maybe when you don't know if you can make it through another day. Or maybe if something in your life just feels overwhelming, God can use these moments as times to demonstrate His power and what He's capable of. Now, this doesn't mean that every circumstance that we may face that feels impossible is going to turn out in the way that we hope. But it does mean that we can trust that every impossible circumstance, God can use in ways to bring about His glory and to bring about His honor. And maybe that means changing the circumstance. Maybe that means uh, providing something and, and, and showing up in some miraculous way. Maybe it also means just work that's being done on the inside of us that He does often in these times. And when He does... When he does this work, it makes him so clearly known because only he is capable of doing such things. In Elizabeth and Zechariah's case, we, we read about uh, all these neighbors that come and, and that many will celebrate at, at the birth of John because they know at the end of the day that this is something miraculous that only God could have done. And because of it, it helped prepare them to see him more clearly
1: so they tell you that after a year of not being able to get pregnant that you should go see a doctor, so that's what we did. Um, we made that initial appointment after probably like 13 months, and I I just hate doctors, I hate all things medical, and so even though it was just a consultation, I was like terrified to go in. Um, and unfortunately, the doctor that we saw, she was not really a compassionate woman at all, and um, she didn't have any bedside manner, and I remember she, she made me cry on that first appointment. Um, um, but, you know, from there, we set up a couple more appointments and procedures, and we kind of looked forward to getting some more answers on our journey to becoming parents. And and after another month and a half or so, um, after these appointments and procedures had taken place, we received a phone call. Um, it was about a week before Thanksgiving, I think, um, and we were told that it was probably going to be um, very difficult for us to become pregnant without help. And I remember coming home from work that day, um... It was an empty house and I remember, you know, just going into my room and falling on my bed and I had my dog and I hugged him and just crying. Um, and it was that cry that like hurts your chest and afterwards your eyes are swollen. Um, and, and Daniel came home later and, and we cried some more and we prayed and we asked God why, you know. Um, but in the end, all that we could do was rest in the arms of God and know that we were loved even though we didn't understand in that moment what was happening or why things were happening that way, why we, what we had dreamed up for so long seemed really far off and seemed impossible. And when you find yourself in a seemingly impossible place, there isn't really anything to do but place that impossibility into the hands of God. Perhaps he will move in the way you want him to Perhaps he won't, but there can be a joy and a peace and a comfort in knowing that your impossibility rests in God's hands rather than your own, and he is powerful enough to handle anything, and that's what Elizabeth did. She, she and Zechariah, they remained faithful servants of God despite the impossible situation that I know brought them heartache and pain and maybe confusion. So Daniel and I, we had nothing to do but just to accept what we'd been told. And, and we grieved for a time. And, and that grief looks, looks different for all of us, for every person. Um, it was really helpful to us to be involved in a community of close friends who, who knew our story, who knew what we were walking through, and, and to accept the love and support and prayers that they gave us. Um, they cried with us, and they held us close. And, and I remember, you know, even when we went to the doctor once, one of the, the medical staff um, that we dealt with in, in running one of our particular tests and procedures. Um, she shared her own experience of becoming pregnant after difficulty, and she opened her life up to us as as complete strangers, and, and she blessed us with her words of encouragement and support and understanding. And We prayed a lot. We cried a lot. Um, we leaned on each other a lot. Um, and after all of this, we we made an appointment for a fertility clinic to explore what options that they might have for us. Um, A couple weeks later, um, it was a couple weeks before our scheduled appointment with the fertility clinic. Um, It was actually 10 years ago this week. Um, I decided that I was feeling kind of weird, feeling um, off, and so I thought, well, I'll just take a pregnancy test. Um, And this time, it was positive.
0: Yep, and God used an impossible moment in our lives to show his power, and he had set the stage for others to see it too. And we can have joy knowing that God can use these moments to show him himself. Now let's keep reading verse 18. It says, Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now, Zechariah had a hard time believing what Gabriel had to share. I don't blame him. In impossible moments, sometimes it's difficult to show that kind of faith. But because of that, God shut his mouth for the duration of the pregnancy. Now, I don't know if God did this so much for Zechariah's sake. I think maybe he had Elizabeth in mind as well, (laughs) because that time of pregnancy can, you know, cause some tension sometimes. Now anyway, Zechariah had asked for a sign even though an angel of God was standing right before him and that wasn't enough. It was a quick moment where he showed a lack of faith, which we can all show in various ways when we face impossible moments. And it might show up in uh, a burst of anger or, or uh, a time where we allow anxiety to take, the, take control of our lives. In various ways, we can show that we doubt that God is truly in control. For Zechariah, he doubted that what God said would actually happen. So he didn't, fully, he didn't fully hear and believe, and so he wasn't going to be heard until this baby was born. We see here that Zechariah's final words were words of doubt. But if you keep reading this story, you'll see that the next words that he speaks are words of praise to God. Because often what happens in these difficult moments is something that happens on the inside of us. And we can have joy because we know that God can use moments that seem impossible to grow our faith. And just like Zechariah, we might have words of doubt, but often in the midst of these trials and in these difficulties, God does a work on our heart where our words then become words of praise and thanksgiving. And faith is the most important aspect about our lives, what we know about God and how we respond to it. And that's such a good work that God can do during these these seasons. Now, the time that we spent praying and asking God to give us a child was no doubt one of the toughest seasons for us, but even in the midst of those darker days, God was was not absent, and there were many times that He would just show up in moments that we needed Him most, whether it would be a, a conversation with a friend who kind of knew what was going on that said just the right things at just the right time. We had the support, like we said, of our own life group, For me personally, there was a lot of moments dealing with just, you know, reading through some of the promises that you read through in the Word of God. Now, I know I talk about often, uh, we have a class here called Cover to Cover. We have some other classes where we just go through the Bible, but I can't tell you how important in that season that class was. It seemed like whenever I needed it most, there happened to be a truth that we were going through that hit directly to what I needed to hear. I can remember one Sunday morning, some of our dear friends had shared with us that they were getting ready to, or that they were pregnant. And, and we were thrilled for them, but I couldn't help but in the back of my mind, think, God, when is it going to be our turn? And it just so happened that morning, the very next hour, I showed up to class and we were going through 1 Samuel and talking about the story of Hannah, someone who struggled to have a baby. And it just reminded me that God knew our struggle and it reminded me that his timing was, was, uh, was more important. And it gave me the encouragement I needed Kelsey and I both found comfort in the story of the Israelites and their time wandering through the wilderness. I remember hearing a sermon from a very famous preacher named Andy Stanley at a conference I went to, and he just talked about the wildernesses that we find ourselves in. And at that moment, this was our wilderness. And I remember kind of talking about that with Kelsey, and we decided that if we ever had the opportunity to have a baby, and if it was going to be a boy, we would name him Canaan because it would represent this time of coming to uh, something that we had longed for over a a long season. Now fast forward to Sunday morning, and Kelsey finds out she's pregnant. It was, uh, like I said, a Sunday morning, and I was actually behind on my cover-to-cover reading. We were going through the book of Psalms, which are just all of these collections of writings, most of them from King David, just sharing emotions about different things. And it just so happened to be a Psalm, Psalm 105, which it was really kind of a psalm of thanksgiving and a psalm of looking back at how God had been faithful in the past. And going throughout it, he actually uh, accounts for that story of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. And in verse 11, he uh, even says, To you I will give the land of Canaan as a portion you will inherit. And I just remember reading those words. And I know those words weren't written directly to me, but the timing of it was just so incredibly uh, more than coincidental. And it just reminded me and encouraged me that God had been faithful throughout this entire process. And even if things hadn't worked out in, in the way we hoped, that He was always and will always be faithful. And it was through that season that, that our faith was able to grow because it was a difficult time. And there were moments where we could only just hope and rely on Him. God can use impossible moments to grow our faith. For me, it was trusting that He didn't abandon us in our struggle Because of the truths I continually saw in his word. For you, it might be that he surrounds you with people in your life that support you in your difficult time, that pray for you and encourage you. Maybe you've struggled financially, but God has always provided what you've needed even when you weren't sure that it was going to be possible. God can use these times to grow our faith. So when you're in them, and even before you face them, because you will face them, Don't forget to surround yourself with godly people. Don't forget to surround yourself and continue to take in the truths of his word. He uses those so that we can draw closer to him. And our faith and our obedience to him is is the most important thing uh, about our lives.
1: Zechariah and Elizabeth, at at some point, they had to have given up hope of having a child of their own. But as righteous Israelites, they probably uh, never stopped longing for redemption, for the Fulfillment of that promise that God was going to bring a rescuer uh, to bring mankind back from sin into a relationship with Him again. In verse 25, it says, The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, He has shown His favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. No more did Elizabeth have to experience the heartache that accompanied her barrenness. No more did she have to feel the shame of others who might have been looking down on her with scorn. God did the impossible. He gave an old woman a baby son. When Gabriel appears to Zechariah and announces that this aged couple will finally have a baby, God not only makes their immediate situation possible, which in and of itself is miraculous enough, but he uses that moment to point to an even greater miracle, an even greater seemingly impossible task being made possible, the redemption of our very souls. As bad as any of our impossible moments uh, may seem, nothing compares to the impossibility of making our relationship with God right again. It was utterly impossible for sinful men to find their way back to God, but Jesus made that impossible situation possible. In the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, we can see that God can use impossible moments to remind us that he already did the most impossible thing. John chapter 1, verse 14 and 16 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. God planned long ago to send his son into the world to be our rescuer, our savior. He knew that by ourselves we could never reach him. We could never pay for our own sin because we were too imperfect. It was impossible for us to rescue ourselves, and oh, how we need rescuing. And so, God himself did the impossible, he took on skin. Um, I've been posting every day on my Facebook for this Christmas season just lyrics to Christmas songs because I think the lyrics are so good and so rich and, and one of my favorite ones has these lyrics. So wrap our injured flesh around you Breathe our air and walk our sod Rob our sin and make us holy, perfect son of God Though it seems impossible in our eyes God became man for us He walked with us He lived on this earth and experienced all the the experiences and things that that we live on this earth. He experienced temptation and, and sickness and pain and sadness and rejection and hurt. And then, as if that weren't enough, he died for us. And by his death, we were made holy. We were rescued from sin and from the consequences of sin, death. And this can bring joy beyond anything we could ever experience this can bring delight beyond pain or pleasure because it runs so much deeper than what we experience in the here and now no matter what impossible situation that we face on this earth we can have joy because god can do the impossible and because god has done the impossible he saved us this christmas let us remember that the God who did the impossible for Zechariah and Elizabeth is the same God who does the impossible for you and for me. And may the truth of that bring you joy as you celebrate the impossible love of God this season.
0: You pray with me. God, we come before you just humbly and just recognizing that, that you are so powerful. I pray that uh, you would help us in our moments of doubt like Zechariah where we are tempted to just uh, run and hide in fear or stress or be anxious or be mad or angry or frustrated that we would be reminded that you have all, you're you always faithful. And we're so grateful that you are such a powerful God, such a loving and compassionate God that sees us in our most difficult times. And we thank you ultimately for your son that you sent to pay the price of an impossible debt that we could never repay on our own. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.